0: There's so much health advice out there, lots of different voices and opinions, but who can you trust? Trust the experts, the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them tough, intimate health questions, so you get the answers you need. This is the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician.
1: Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast. My name is John Horton, and I'm your host. Today, we're talking about growing pains in children with Dr. Lainey Holman, a specialist in pediatric physical medicine. By some estimates, almost half of all kids experience growing pains during childhood. It can be very intense pain, too. The kind that wakes up kids in the middle of the night with screams worthy of a horror flick. And what makes it even more bizarre is that the pain usually vanishes as quickly as it appears. Odds are your kid will be running around the next morning like nothing ever happened. So what exactly are these growing pains? And can they be prevented? That's what Dr. Holman is here to chat with us about. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Holman. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Um, Before we get into the topic, uh, let's start by having you tell us a little bit about the clinical work you do here at Cleveland Clinic.
2: I practice pediatric physical medicine and rehabilitation, um, also known as physiatry or physiatry, depending on what part of the country you trained in. Um, I basically take care of children who have functional disabilities of various kinds. I'm also a board-certified pediatrician and take care of children who don't have disabilities on occasion.
1: Hey, it sounds like that's got to keep you pretty busy, I'd imagine. It does. I'm the chair of the department. Then you're definitely busy. <laughs> um so well, that's that's great. Thanks for giving us that information. Um, so now let's turn our attention to growing pains. Um, for starters, um, I mean, what are they really? And I mean, I've read in some places where the term itself is even a little bit misleading.
2: Yeah, um, we don't really know what they are. They are pains that are mostly bilateral mostly in the legs, that occur mostly in the evening, mostly in children between three and 12. But those are all really very broad. Um, And most people don't report the growing pains. And when they do, we don't have a really clear database for statistics or epidemiology. I was reviewing the literature this morning, actually, and noted that there was a paper published in Pediatrics in July, this week, um, that was a meta-review of uh, 145 studies in eight, I believe, databases, um, and found just a lot of inconsistency on how we report and um, the associated factors.
1: Um, so, Dr. Holman, if if growing pains are, I mean, it, it's not the the ideal term, it sounds like, for this, where did that originate from in, in the first place?
2: It seems to have originated from a French text called... Maladies of Growth um, that was written in 1823 by someone whose last name was Duchamp, but we don't know their first name. Um, And it just followed children into the present day. No one seems to know um, really what causes it. It doesn't seem to be associated with growing. In fact, there have been a couple of small studies um, looking at growing pains against height velocity and it doesn't seem to be associated at all with growing, in fact.
1: Well, I'd imagine it's one of those things, because it, it is so common, um, I'm guessing a lot of parents just kind of deal with it and see it, and, and it's not the sort of thing where you call your your pediatrician, I mean, the next day to, to report it. Is that kind of where some of the variations is, where you don't quite know how much it happens? I think that's right.
2: I think parents deal with it at home, especially when it's mild, and when it goes away, almost all of them are... Um, recurrent, but short-lived. And so I think parents just don't think to call their pediatrician in particular. And when they do see the pediatrician, often because we don't know what it is and there's no specific treatment, the pediatrician wouldn't necessarily note it in the record.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now you said the most common ages, it usually starts, I mean, it can start as young as I think you said three years old. Yeah. Okay. And then it goes like, so it goes, it sounds like from three to about 12. So kind of that preteen sort of time. Is there, is there a reason as to why, I mean, maybe it's just that age group uh, that it might hit?
2: We don't know the answer to that either. It, the term growing pains is because that's the fastest period of growth velocity or height velocity in um, humans. And so that's associated with growing because that's the time when people are growing, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with actual
1: growth. It's a great name though. I think that's probably better than uh, the, the more scientific name you'd have with it. <laughs>
2: There are a lot of people who are asking to call it something else like benign leg pain of childhood, but growing pains has been um, around for a long time and has just kind
1: of stuck. Benign leg pain of childhood does not roll off the tongue quite as well as growing pains for sure. It doesn't. It doesn't. Is it something, let's let's talk about where it's more common. I mean, is it something where um, do boys or girls get it more? Is it more common in, in one than the other?
2: Again, we don't have a great database, but it doesn't seem to have a prevalence um, in boys or girls in particular. It seems to be mostly regional. Most kids experience it, like I said, in the legs. There are some kids who will talk about pain in their back or their chest. Um, Some kids have complained of jaw pain, but it's pretty unusual. It's almost always both legs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you that with with some of that, like where it hits the most, because I think legs are the most common thing. And is that more, is that like kind of in your, in your calves, like, like those, those cramps that just nail you in the middle of the night, or, or is it higher up in the leg or where, where, where is it most often?
2: Most of the time, the location is pretty vague, um, which is one of the ways that we decide that it's benign. In fact, Um, most little kids can't describe a muscle cramp. Um, the best I've gotten out of children I've treated have been the words ache um, or just pain.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you said the legs are by far the most common. Um, what happens like when they have it like in their chest or something? Because I would imagine that's terrifying if you're a parent and, and you come in and, and your child's complaining about chest pain. That's just not something you think you're going to have to deal with. Um, how does that usually come across?
2: I think usually the children say, I have chest pain, my chest hurts, which is alarming to families for sure, but um, cardiac issues and children don't usually present with chest pain the way they do in adults. So it's another way that we can decide that it's benign.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you said, I mean, you can also, it's not like it can be all over. I mean, you can get it in your arms and in your hands. I mean, is it even like, like headaches and things like that are, are common with it? Sometimes children will complain
2: of a headache, but most of the time they don't, they're not able to identify um, head pain. It's almost always legs, but, but it can be all over. When children have all over body pain that doesn't go away, that's usually a different syndrome.
1: Okay. All right. Um, one of the things I know when I was reading up on this, they said that it, it, it's typically more common in kids if they've had um, like a really active day, if they've been outside running all day, um, you might see it a little bit more. I mean, is that, is that kind of a, a common occurrence or, or you know, and, and why would that be?
2: I, we don't know the answer to that, but the answer to why, but it does commonly occur in the evening after an active day. And that sort of lends credence to the theory that there is some musculoskeletal or muscle fatigue um, underlying the pain, but we don't really know that in
1: terms of science.: Okay, All right. Um, are there any other symptoms aside from just that, like that, that, that pain? I mean, do you ever see like uh, fevers with it or um, you know, chills? I mean, you know, anything else that kind of comes along with, with growing pains, or is it just pain?
2: No, in fact, it's just pain. And by definition, it's episodic, so it self-resolves, but recurrent, so it may happen again. But if there are fevers or rashes or chills or weight loss or some other systemic symptoms, that needs to be seen by a pediatrician.
1: Well, and, and that kind of takes us right into the next question I was going to ask you, which is, um, you know, if you are, if you're a parent and your kid wakes up screaming like that, and I had three kids and all of them had growing pains at one point, and there is nothing that gets you out of bed faster than, than that sort of scream. Cause it hits a, a decibel level that just <laughs> is going to grab your attention. Um, and, and it's scary. So your head instantly goes to, this is something really bad. I mean, are, are there other things that, you know, that, that, that you should maybe worry about with it or, or, or have somebody look at it if it gets to a certain point?
2: Certainly, um, pain in the middle of the night is scary. Everything is worse in the middle of the night, it seems like with children, doesn't it? Um, it does. <laughs> but usually you can try Tylenol or a warm bath or stretching and, you know, some gentle, comforting distraction. And if the pain goes away, there's not necessarily anything to worry about. But pain that is persistent, pain that is, um, very focal, meaning it's just in one particular place or pain that comes with those symptoms we talked about earlier. Definitely needs to be looked at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned, um, like, like massaging it or doing whatever. Um, like what is that just uh, like you find out kind of where it hurts and then just, just give it a, a, a rub for a few minutes, just to, yeah, to kind just, of ease just the muscle.
2: Yeah. Um, some comforting touch is really probably mostly what it is. Um, some kids with growing pains with like a little bit of pressure, so the um, the act of massaging is is comforting to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what other home treatment options? Let's kind of I guess kind of go through some of them. We, you had mentioned a few, but let's just kind of narrow it down a little more. Um, you had said it's okay to do um, like a, I see children's Tylenol or, or or some sort of pain reliever.
2: Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, and in children who can't take Tylenol, they can take ibuprofen, whatever uh, parents have and the appropriate dose is fine. And then I think, like I said, warm bath, some stretching, some reassurance, um, some distraction. Usually the pain will go away. It's often very brief, but alarming.
1: Yeah. 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 I was going to say, how long, how long should it Last, and I know that's that's a that's one of those really open ended questions because it probably depends on the child. But um, is it really the sort of thing where within you know a few minutes it should be gone, like you know five ten minutes?
2: Yeah, usually the episodes only last about five or ten minutes. Often the by the time the you have uh, your measures in place, by the time you run a bath, for example, the pain is gone.
1: Yeah, that would be, I mean, a bath, you I know, mean, I, I can see where a bath would do it. Just the, is it the warm water just kind of relaxes the muscles a little bit? Yes.
2: And it's also a little distracting from the
1: pain. Well, that's, yeah. Anytime you can kind of uh, yeah make them look the other way for a little bit or focus on something else, that's always a, always a good thing. It's
2: distracting for the parent as well.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and the warm bath kind of brings up, a, uh, I guess, an idea. I mean, are there preventative uh, steps you can take? I mean, uh, you know, if you... If your child's prone to having growing pains, um, I mean, is that something where if you do a warm bath before bed um, that it might help alleviate it later on?
2: Yeah, there certainly are people who feel like their children's growing pains are better with a warm bath at night before bed, for sure. Um, Some people feel like stretching before physical activity um, is useful. We don't always ask children to stretch before they play sports or before they play, but sometimes that can help. Um, sometimes it can't, we don't know the exact mechanism for that, but, um, certainly some kids feel better with some stretching before activity.
1: Yeah. Kids definitely do not stretch much. I know the older you get, the more you, uh, feel like you have to limber up before you go do about anything. So (laughs) when you're, when you're 10, you're not thinking that way. (laughs) Um, what other things can you do at, at, at night kind of before they go to bed just to, um, you know, to maybe help, help, help it not happen.
2: I think just having a calm nighttime routine is good for any children growing pains or not, but having a consistent, quiet, um, comforting routine at night is always really helpful. There is some perhaps component of anxiety and growing pains. And so you want your child to go to bed happy and comfortable and, and, um, relaxed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, and this is the question I'm sure every parent would want an answer to, and and I fear that it's not going to be the answer that they want, but it's I mean, can you do anything to to prevent growing pains from happening?
2: Not that we know of.
1: It just it, it's one of those realities of uh
2: part of childhood for somewhere between 3 and 50% of children.
1: Wow. Well, that's so it, you know, it, so something it is fairly common. Um when I mean, maybe we touched on this a little bit, but but when should it get to the point where, where you go, man, I need to call the pediatrician? Is it if you start having it multiple days in a row, um, it, You know, if it's more than just kind of sporadic, um, when should you go and seek some, okay, some more professional uh, advice on it?
2: Yeah, I think it's reasonable to call the pediatrician when um, you're having several nights in a row of it. Or again, when the pain is very focal, most kids are vague about where the pain is located. But if someone clearly says points to a place on their leg and says, this particular place hurts, that needs to be investigated. And again, if it comes with fevers or unexplained rashes or any kind of weight change, mood changes, trouble in school, those sorts of things, uh, loss of appetite, those sorts of things need to be investigated by your pediatrician.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and this just kind of came up by an idea in my head. Um, When you do have the pain, is it, the kids usually get it in the same spot repeatedly or does it, does it kind of migrate around the body? You might get it in the legs one day, the chest another day. Um, What's what's typical there?
2: In my experience, most children have basically the same sites of pain, basically the same complaints. So I haven't really met very many kids who have leg pain and then chest pain and then back pain. Um, That probably should be seen. By a pediatrician as well um, but most of the time it's just both legs one leg and then the other leg another night etc and it's usually pretty consistent and again not usually focused
1: yeah yeah um, it sounds like the one thing I'm taking out of all this is that growing pains are, are very normal and, and for the most part I mean parents should not worry when when they do happen
2: no they should not as long as again they go away And they're not very specific and don't have any other symptoms. There are musculoskeletal conditions in children that need to be investigated, but they're almost, they're very rare and they're almost always um, persistent and not recurrent.
1: Um, Well, Dr. Holman, we've covered a lot of ground here today. Um, So as we bring this conversation to a close, what other advice could you, could you toss out there or, or other guidance might you have for, uh, for any parents uh, with kids who are dealing with this?
2: Just as some kids experience episodic pains and we don't really know um, very much about what causes them or how to make them go away, and as long as they're not interfering with the child's function, that is to say school or sports or uh, work around the house, then there isn't any reason to be alarmed by them.
1: I think they always are looking for something to get in the way of chores around the Absolutely. house. So if my memory's right. <laughs> um, Dr. Holman, thank you so much for being with us today and uh, speaking with us on this helpful topic.
2: Sure, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, if you have concerns about growing pains with your child, talk to your pediatrician or call 216-444-4998 for an appointment. Uh, you can also find more information on children's health at clevelandclinicchildrens.org. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest health tips, news, and information.